Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. We are in a series. We are in a series. We're in week four of a series called Made. And part of where you were born is, how, is a little bit about where you were made. But our verse in Psalm 139, 14 I've been reading it to us every week. I'm going to have you read it with me today, all right? You all ready to read this together? Say it out loud. We're going to read it like we mean it. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Good. Well, today I want to continue leaning in to all the incredible ways in which God has made you. In fact, I have a little, a little uh, elemental chart that will summarize a little bit of what makes you you. God made you, but how and what are the fundamental elements? So I have this little, this little uh, uh, elements of you chart, the you that you are, right? Like what makes you the you that you are? Well, I have four little thoughts here, and I'll show you the fifth one in a minute, but let's just think about it. These are pretty obvious. First of all, the origin, like where did you come from? Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Where did, what family were you born into? Did you grow up with certain types of uh, poverty or affluence or where maybe you were a loving family? Some of you didn't have good families. Some of you are in urban or suburban or rural places. All these things matter. It matters like the place of origin, right? It matters, did you grow up drinking Coca-Cola or did you grow up drinking Shasta? I mean, that says a lot about you, right? It says a lot about where you come from. No one wants to be defined, though. How many of you are like, I, I'm, I care about what I'm, but I do not want to be defined by where I was born. Anybody? Someone's like, I don't want to be defined by the fact that I'm from uh, Toronto. No offense to Torontonians. No offense. I'm just kidding. Um, Number two, experiences, right? In addition to our origin, we have unique experiences. Maybe you have educational experiences or you have, uh, maybe you moved around a lot growing up. So you have a lot of cultural experiences or experiences with groups of people, right? Like maybe you experienced church growing up or you experienced sports, right? Depending on the type of sport you had, a different experience. Football players are different than table tennis players. They just are. There's different experiences, right? Natural abilities. This, of course, includes physical abilities. Like, are you born with the natural ability to jump out of the gym or you can barely jump over a credit card? Like, that matters, right? A little bit. Um, natural abilities include intellectual strengths or your creative or musical. Think of this basically as your natural talents. Are you good with people? Are you good with building things? Are you good with numbers? And then the, not, the next one is natural personality, right? Like this one is really popular these days, a little different from natural ability. This is more about how you interact with people, how you think. For example, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Are you a nurturer? Are you more like a drill sergeant? You know, of course, personality tests are super popular these days. We have everything from the Myers-Briggs to the DISC to the Enneagrams, right? I like to tell people I'm a one-wing seven. If you know Enneagrams, they go, mm-mm, that's not possible. You're not allowed to be a one-wing seven. I say, listen to me. My God can do anything. The Enneagram cannot hold me. I thought I'd get some amens in there. Too many millennials are like, I love the Enneagram, though. <laughs> listen, listen. There are not nine different, different types of people in the world, just so you know. There are 7.8 billion people in the world, which means there are 7.8 billion different types of people. Because all of these things make up you, right? Not just your personality, but all these things make up you, and there's no one else like you. God made you you. And number five, if you come to church, this one might not be a surprise to you, but God has actually done something where he has spiritually gifted you. And I want to talk about 
Number five, spiritual gifts. Many of you know that when the Holy Spirit comes in you, lives in you, dwells in you, that the Lord works in such a way that he is going to give you some supernatural ability that comes straight from heaven. It's like these glimpses of heaven in your life in which he is going to give you impact and power, only empowered by who? The Holy Spirit himself, right? And so as a believer, it's part of how God made you and how he continues to make you. And I want you to even hear that today, that he's continuing to make you, meaning he's carrying on. He's working to complete the good work he started. So throughout your life, I don't know if any of you would say some of your experiences are going to change. Some of your, some of your story is going to change. Some of your even personality is going to change. Well, in the same way, God is going to shape in different ways the gifts that you have. He's going to change them. You're going to experience new things in ways that God will work in you in ways that you could never even imagine maybe years before, all of a sudden, God has shaped you by the way he's gifted you. So I want to I do for the next 20 minutes or so, I want to teach a message that I've titled Gifted. Gifted. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been gifted. Yeah. So I'm going to put on my teacher hat today, if that's all right. I'm going to put my little teacher hat on. I have five thoughts about spiritual gifts that I want to teach you that come from the Bible. Some preachers call them points. I don't care. You can call them points. Thoughts, truths, whatever. Um, today's message is literally, let's teach you from the Bible what the Lord says about spiritual gifts because that is as important as a believer into the design that he's made you. And it's also a message that says that you are so special and loved by God that he's gifted you in ways that will bring a great blessing to you and to your life and to the church. And so this is a message of encouragement, right? I want you to hear that. Be encouraged by God's word today and this truth today because I want everybody walking out of here feeling great about the fact that God's gifted you. I think it's going to be an encouragement. Everybody hear that? Everybody look and say, I'm going to be about to be encouraged. I'm about to be encouraged. So the first thought, first thought about spiritual gifts is straight from the Bible. Number one, we should not be uninformed or ignorant about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says this, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, right? I do not want you to be uninformed. <laughs> 1 Corinthians is one of Paul's letters to the church in the city of Corinth, and he takes quite a bit of time in chapters 12, 13, and even 14 to talk about spiritual gifts because Corinth was experiencing the power of the gifts, but they did not really understand God, God's purpose with them. So this is the very first thing he says to them about it. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. When Addie was maybe in fourth grade, she went out and played on a basketball team. And she was one and done, one season, right? But we show up, and there's a wonderful gentleman, and he's ready to coach them for the season. This is the first practice, and I quickly noticed during the first practice that it didn't really seem like this coach knew much about basketball. So at the right appropriate time, not inappropriately, I walked up and just said, hey, do you need any help? And he said, do you know anything about basketball? And I said, do I know anything about basketball? I eat basketballs for breakfast. I didn't, I didn't say that. I just said, uh, yeah, duh. And he said, he said well, good, because they asked for volunteers to coach this team, and I don't know anything about basketball. And I thought, wow, that is so awesome that you want to serve and help, but don't you think you should be informed about the very thing that you say you are? Right? Like, more power to this guy, but if you're a coach, you should probably have an idea about what you're going to coach, right? And if you're a follower of Jesus, 
And if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, don't you think you should be informed about the very thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you? Yes. Don't be uninformed. So the church in Corinth was dealing with their own problems and their own confusion about spiritual gifts. And how many of you know that the church today is dealing with its own problems and confusion when it comes to the spiritual gifts? The truth is many believers today don't know very much about their spiritual gifts. But the gifts are an incredibly exciting, and they are called gifts because that's what they are. They're gifts, wonderful, beautiful, amazing gifts that God generously gives to us. However, since there's a bit of mystery around it, since there's a bit of hesitation and there's controversy around anything where there's a form of the Spirit that seems a bit supernatural, that's the things that people doubt. That's the, where the church police come out and say, I don't know, we need to investigate that. That looks a little off. I don't understand it. But Paul says, don't be uninformed. Don't be afraid. Don't avoid them. They are God's gifts to us. So let's begin by not being uninformed, by at least defining what is a spiritual gift. Spiritual gift. They are sovereignly given spiritual abilities to serve the Christian community. Now, those words are really important. Sovereignly, meaning it's only by God's choice that you are given spiritual gifts. You can't choose your gifts. You can't, like, go up to, it's not like a dessert case where you're like, oh, that looks good. You can't do that. Like, that's not the way it works. God sovereignly distributes them. And they are spiritual abilities as opposed to natural abilities. They are supernatural abilities given by God. And they are indeed or excuse me, they are intended to serve the Christian community. And this is, by and large, the greatest purpose of them. They're not necessarily for you. They're for the sake of the church and the body of Christ. So we begin with that. Do not be uninformed. Second thought. Second thought. There are different gifts, ministries, and works of the Spirit, but all are from the same God. Again, that sounds like, okay, yeah, duh. But 1 Corinthians 12, we'll stay there. It says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now that might sound redundant, but it's not because Paul is talking about different ways in which the spirit manifests itself. Sometimes it's in kinds of service or ministry. For example, in Ephesians 4, where it says some are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Those are gifts that are called into a specific ministry. Other people get gifts that are about a specific kind of service. Maybe you get the gifts of mercy or the gifts of leadership, right? These sorts of gifts are maybe the gift of helps. These are gifts that are intended to serve, right? And then there are some, though, that get gifts of working. And when it says working, the Greek word for that was actually uh, for activities and power, specifically referring to the, the work of the Spirit, right? Perhaps the easiest way to explain this is sometimes gifts are given for the miraculous works of God to be done, such as when someone uh, is given the gift of healing or maybe the gift of prophecy. It's for the sake of something miraculous. So different gifts have been distributed, ones for service, ones for ministry, ones in different types for works that we can't do but only God can do through us. And this is important to note because not everyone will experience the same gifts. And I think we know that, but how many of you know that not everyone will even experience God in the same way? But it's still the same God at work. And when I say that, this is important because I think a lot of times if someone has an experience with God and someone has not had that experience with God, we doubt the other person's experience. And so when someone's trying to explain it, they're like, I can't explain it. It was just like a God thing. It was just like a supernatural. I don't know. It was a miracle. It was a work of 
the Spirit. Many years ago, I was leading, when I was leading like college ministry, we had a group of students that went on a trip, and they went to uh, South Africa, and they came home sharing some amazing stories about the way God moved. And one particular story was about how a woman was miraculously healed. She was blind, but now she could see, which is this crazy story, right? An amazing story. And I had the student come to me afterwards who was not on the trip, and they said, I don't know about that. I don't know if I could believe that. I've never seen God work like that. And I said, neither have I. I've never seen that. I said, but do you believe that God can do works beyond your comprehensions, things that you've never seen before? And they said, yeah, of course. And I said, that's right. Jesus, Jesus says anything is possible for the one who believes. Sometimes he's going to do different kinds of works, and he's going to distribute different kinds of gifts. To some, he'll give gifts of faith and mercy, and to others, he'll distribute wisdom or even healing. God gives gifts as he sovereignly determines his best. So, as a parent, if you're a parent in the room, you probably totally get this. I am completely fair to my kids, but I don't always give them the same things. Right? On Christmas, Christy and I bought gifts for all of our kids. We evenly calculated so nobody got more than the other, but they weren't the same things. For example, I gave Addie, I think we gave Addie like some makeup and a hair straightener. I did not we're really good at giving gifts. <laughs> I did not, we did not give the same gifts to Grayson. Like he would have thrown the hair straightener straight at my eyeball, right? Like we didn't do that. No, we got him gifts that we determined were best. For him, it was basketball shoes, right? We distributed gifts based upon what we knew each child needed. And this is similar to how the heavenly father distributes his gifts. He distributes his gifts sovereignly and according to his will and his purpose, but they are all from the same spirit. Are you all with me? You see how we can have unity in the spirit with different experiences? Mm. Next thought. The gifts of the spirit are for the benefit of all. It's really important. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Now to each one of the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So gifts are not just for us. You ever seen people that really want gifts so they can experience more of God? And it's like, no, they're not purpose for personal growth or even experiences with God. They're actually purpose for the common good, and he's referring to of the body of Christ. Or even at a larger scale, to the benefit of the city. This phrase, though, in the middle of that verse, the manifestation of the Spirit. It's really bible language, Right? This means that he will literally manifest different gifts in people for his purpose and in his time. He lists several of the gifts, and we can go to the next slide, and you can just see. He mentions several. I won't read the whole verse, but I'll, you'll see the, the, the ones that are bolded there. The message of wisdom, the words of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And we're not going like, to get into all these and explain them all. These are not all the gifts of the Spirit, though. He gives other lists in, in Romans 12 and in 1 Peter and Ephesians 4. I'll read the Romans 12 one where he says, We have different gifts. Yes, we do. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. Get your teaching on. If it is to encourage, then you better start encouraging. If it's giving, then you better give all your money away right now. If it's to bleed, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Some of the gifts he mentions can be present within people through their entire life. And others can manifest themselves in special moments and times. For example, 
I've prayed with people and I've prayed for healing in people. And I believe during that time of prayer, God has manifested his gift to release healing. But I've also prayed with people where that was not manifested and they did not receive healing. But I've also walked in a contrast of one that I've walked with in my entire life. I feel like I've walked and stewarded the gift of leadership in my life for a long time. So sometimes it's like present all the time and sometimes it's like comes and goes. And that's all sovereignly designed by God. And again, in verse 11, it says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So God is in control. He is ultimately the giver of good gifts. Later in chapter 14, verse 12, he wants to reinforce it's for the good of the church. And he says, Since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, (laughs) which maybe sounds like an assumption, since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, Try and excel in those that build up the church, right? The ones that are for the benefit of all. And then he goes on. We'll go to fourth thought here. Are we teaching the Bible today? Is this helpful? All right. Don't be uninformed. He says that, verse, or number four, gifts are of equal value. All play a vital function in the body. Verse 12. We're just staying in, in 1 Corinthians 12, by the way, for a few minutes. Verse 12, it says, just as one body, though One has many parts, but in all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And for the next several verses, Paul goes on that famous illustration where he's talking about how the body works together. He's like, hey, some of you are legs, some of you are arms, some of you are eyeballs, some of you are pinky toes, right? And then in verse 25, he says, there should be no division in the body, though, but but all its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with, with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. He's saying this as he talks about gifts because he doesn't want anyone thinking, well, they have like the greater gifts and they have the lesser gifts and we start honoring people more and other, and and we start, no, we have equal concern. And this is actually really important because how many of you know that we have the tendency in this world to elevate certain gifts and talents? For example, on a football team, we tend to elevate certain positions, don't we? It's like all about the quarterback. It's all about the wide receiver. It's all about the flashy ones, right? But the guys in the trenches, the ones that pay offensive linemen, the ones that no one remembers their name, guess what? How many know that without a good offensive line, there's no quarterback that's going to win a Heisman or going to win an MVP, right? The Bible says enough of this favoritism stuff. We must see all of God's gifts as equal and vital to the overall body of Christ. Every person matters. Every contribution to the body matters. The world actually needs this message because the world is really bad at honoring only some people. Many of you need this message because you need to hear that you matter. And whenever I talk about the fact that you're gifted, I want you to hear that so loud and clear today that you matter. That you matter not only to the church, because without you, this church will never be what it's supposed to be until we are all operating as we should be. God gives good gifts to his children, and sometimes we have to do the work of unwrapping and discovering what those gifts are, but who we are and how God has gifted is essential to the community and to this particular spiritual family. In other words, the church needs you. God made you, you, for a special work. So it can't be who the world says you are. It can't even be who you say you are. It has to be who God says you are. So stop telling yourself that you've been disqualified. Stop telling yourself that you need to be sidelined. Stop telling yourself that you're not good enough. Stop telling yourself that I'm not going to be perfect. Listen, can I just let you in on a secret? None of us are perfect. Listen, 
God has gifted you and he has wired you and he wants you to lean into it even if you aren't ready for it, even if you aren't perfect, even if you don't feel like you've been everything you ought to be in order to be worthy of these gifts, it's all from the enemy telling you that. It's a lie. Be you. Last thought, number five. Gifts should be desired and sought after. Chapter 12, verse 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts and yet I will show you the most excellent way. I just like to read it that way. I'll get, you, I'll get into the excellent way in just a minute. But he says, eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. I love that. Eagerly desire. I love that line. How many of you, when's the last time that you eagerly desired the spiritual gifts? Oh, that, was, that wasn't rhetorical. <laughs> Crickets. Um, many of us probably get a little stuck on that eagerly desire part. Like, uh, that's probably not me. The scriptures show us in several places that we can want and even ask God for his power and his gifts and for his great purpose. God loves to give good gifts to his children. When I was first introduced to spiritual gifts, the basic presentation was this, I, that, I was, that I probably was given one or two spiritual gifts and that I needed to discover what those were, and that was basically it. So, you know, hey, in my world, it was take the test See how you're gifted. Um, there was actually no eagerly desiring anything, by the way. It was just see how you're gifted. It was all about figuring it out and then realizing, okay, I took a spiritual gifts test. Now I have the gift of leadership and faith, and that's my gifts for the rest of my life. That's how I was introduced to it, but that's not what the Bible says. So if you were taught that like me, I'm not trying to like, you know, tear down your paradigms here, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God will give and manifest his gifts as he wants so that we can eagerly desire his gifts throughout the course of our life. In other words, we are still being made. Oh, snap, that was good. We are still being made in every, every construct of who you are. God is working out his good plan. And his good plan includes the way he's gifted you and the way he's going to empower you. And he wants you to experience a life that you've not imagined. And so you're going to have to take a lot of steps, right? A lot of steps of faith, a lot of steps of obedience in order to continue to experience the more that he wants to give you. You thought it was about spiritual gifts. This is actually about how the Holy Spirit takes over your life. I like this last part of the verse, though. He says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you the most excellent way. Everyone say excellent way. <laughs> now, this, this part seems a little bit of a left turn because it seems like he goes away in gifts, but the next verse, Paul begins to explain and tell you what the gifts are really about. I'm going to try and hurry up here, but verse, or chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If you have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have faith that can move mountains but do not have love... And I'm nothing. If I, give on, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, mm -mm, I gain nothing. Gifts of the Spirit are amazing, but love is what this is all about. If I speak in tongues, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I have the knowledge, even if I have the faith to move mountains, right? But I do not have love, and it's nothing more than a resounding gong. Meaning, it's just a bunch of noise without love. So why does Paul even talk about gifts then? If it's all about love, why are we even worried about it? If love is supreme, 
let's just go and love God and love people and not worry about the gifts. Well, that's what a lot of churches have done. That's what a lot of churches do. A lot of people like to point at all the churches that o- point their finger at all the churches that overemphasize the gifts, and it gets a little weird. Listen, there are more churches that have de-emphasized the gifts and said, you know what, we don't want to get weird, so let's just love God and love people and avoid what the word says. Hmm. Let's just keep it chill here. Let's not get all weird. How many of you guys know that there's nothing natural about the supernatural? How many of you guys, there's nothing normal about the kingdom of God? How many of you guys then know that we are called to be different than the rest of the world? And so if I don't walk in the spirit, if I don't walk with the spirit to where I actually am willing to be comfortable with the ways of the spirit, which are not of this world, it's not weird. It's actually discovering the thing that we were created for, the thing we were made for. We were created as spiritual beings that have, been, that have lost, that, that lost that, that was broken, and now we are restoring it. We are being remade into the image that God created. Do you understand that? So we are being remade into the spiritual beings full of his power and full of his spirit, and we do that by even saying, God, you love me so much that you're going to give me gifts. Gifts, 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 gifts. If you, like, if you like the Grinch, right? Right, right, right. Well, here's what Paul eventually says about all of this. This whole love thing, this whole gifts thing. Chapter 14, verse 1, I love it. He's like summarizing this whole thing. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. It's both. To all who follow Jesus, how beautiful is this line? Seriously. Follow the ways of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Permeate love. And seek his supernatural gifts. We can say it this way. Follow the ways of love and eagerly desire the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. God made you from love and for love. And he's gifted you for the sake of increasing that love. If all God did was give us gifts. But he did it without love. Well eventually, yeah, it's going to make some noise. But it will end up being a resounding gong in your heart. Again, take the example of Christy and I giving gifts to our children at Christmas. Can you imagine if we were really good gift givers, but then at every Christmas, we were like, hey, you know what? We're actually taking a trip. We're going to go to uh, Tahiti to get some much-needed relaxation. Actually, I'm a, I'm a mountain guy, so we're going to go to uh, Mount Everest because that sounds really relaxing. And we're gonna, but we're going to leave a bunch of gifts, a pile of gifts for our kids when we leave. And when it's their birthday, we're like, hey, we're taking a trip. We got, we'll have some gifts for you. And when it's like the weekend, we're like, hey, we're taking off for a little while. We'll get some gifts for you. And every time we left, if we were like really good at gift giving, but we were really bad at love, would the gifts actually matter? No, they wouldn't matter. Just a bunch of noise. No. Gifts are the icing on the cake. Love is the cake. You understand love is the substance of what makes cake cake. The icing just makes it taste better. Love is good. Love and gifts is even better. You see what I'm saying? He is the giver of good gifts. He doesn't leave us. He loves us. He doesn't give good gifts and then fly to Tahiti. He stays right there with us through thick and thin because he's the giver of good gifts who loves you. Paul describes God's love in the very next verse, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Many of you have heard or read this verse, or maybe you're at a wedding one time and someone read this verse and you're like, wow, that's really good. It's from the Bible. And it says this, love is patient, love is kind. That's what it starts off with. How many of you guys know that that's really good? 
In fact, I was thinking about this, and I want to read this a little differently. You can go to the next slide. I want to put Jesus everywhere where it says love, because Jesus is the full picture, the perfect picture of God's love for us. And that's what this verse is really about. It's not about the way you love. It's about God's love for you. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. He does not boast. Jesus is not proud. He does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. He is, he is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus never fails. Right? Listen. Mm. Robbie, you can come. They clap, so it's time to come. <laughs> what is love? Well, it starts with two things. Love is patient. Love is kind. Let me ask you, has God been patient with you? How many of you guys have been patient with you? Has God been kind to you? He's so good to us. He loves us. And then he says, what love is not. You get that about the list? He's like, by the way, love is not jealous. It's not envious. It's not like, why them and not me? Love is not, love is not boastful. It's not like, hey, look at me, I'm great. It's not prideful. It's not rude. It doesn't dishonor people. It's not self-centered or easily angered. How many of you are easily angered? Like, just, you know, it, it's so easy in today's world. It keeps no record of wrongs, no grudges against people. It does not rejoice in evil. You can't wish ill will on them. That's not love. And I wonder how we're doing with that. But let's not even talk about the things that love is not. Let's just talk about the things that love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. How are you doing with that? With people, with God. Because he has been patient and kind with you. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus never fails. The love of Jesus is exactly what the world needs. And I don't know about you, but when I come to understand more about God's love for me, it helps me understand why and how God made me. Because his love and his gifts are a sign. Listen to this. They're a sign that God makes every one of us unique and different. Yet we are all loved the same. Yet we all are valued the same. Everyone matters in this room the same to God. The whole person, he cares about all of it. He cares about your origin story. He cares about your experiences, your natural abilities, your natural personality. By the way, he made all those things. And your gifts, they matter to him too. So if you're here today and you're believing the lie that I'm not sure if that really matters, if I really matter, just remember that God made you. You are one in 7.8 billion, meaning one of a kind. Today, God is saying, not only do you matter, but I love you more than you know. It's the kind of love that always protects, always hopes, always trusts, and never fails. So when I start this whole thing and say, oh, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, do not be uninformed. Listen, it's about way more than that. It's about following the ways of love and eagerly desiring the things of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. That is the most excellent way. God made you from love and for love, and he's gifted you to be that love. In other words, he made you for more than where you are today. 
And I think this is so important to remember. You know, oftentimes we pray in this church all the time, hey, Lord, we want more of you. We want more of your spirit. We want more salvations. We want more healing. We want more breakthrough. Those are our revival prayers. We've been praying since 2018. We just like, Lord, more of you. The reason it starts with more spirit is because that is the entry point in Acts 2 that everything changed for the church. The spirit came and filled the believers with gifts of the spirit. You see, you understand the gifts of the spirit are not just like, our personality tests, they are something that is essential to the church, the body of Christ, to be who we're called to be in this world. You operate in a natural, ask and, and hope that it's supernatural. That's not, God doesn't want you to operate just out of your natural talents. He's like, I'm gonna gift you something. It's, it's pretty amazing. You're gonna love it. Don't be uninformed. This is the reason we pray for more spirit. So we're gonna close today with just some prayer and um, in a time of worship. And I want to give you time to just reflect on this and just say, Lord, I just want to receive more. So let's do that, actually. Uh, let's pray. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to move right now. But to do that, I want to wait on him this morning. I want to create some space to just wait on the Lord. If you're familiar with just how the Holy Spirit comes, oftentimes it's preceded by a time of waiting. And we don't have a lot of time to wait this morning. I get that. I wish we could wait for the next hour. But we'll just take a, we'll just take a minute or so and we'll just wait before him and say, Holy Spirit, would you come? And a lot of times, I don't know about you, but when I wait, I, I just put my hands in front of me and open them as if it's a posture of receiving but also surrender. I receive whatever you have and I give whatever I need to. And so if you want to, just put your hands out in front of you, close your eyes right now. We're just going to wait on the Lord as I invite the Holy Spirit to come. Because we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We might as well just talk about, you know, the Holy Spirit coming and filling us, moving us. Because a lot of you, you have gifts deep inside. Julian was praying this morning, gifts deep inside of you that are, that are tied down. And we need, we need the consuming fire to come, consuming fire of God to come and to, and to rid anything that is tying down the gifts that are in you. They need to be released today. So would you just open your hands, close your eyes. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We're just going to stand for a moment. It's going to take a few extra minutes today. No rushing. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? We just want to wait on you. Just be paying attention. He's going to give you thoughts. He might move in your body. You may feel his presence. Holy Spirit, right now, would you come as we wait? God, thank you for making us. God, thank you for gifting us. God, thank you for loving us. I pray for any person in here that needs to know that they are loved today. Would your Holy Spirit just overwhelm them right now, draw close to them. I pray for any person in here that doesn't feel like they matter. Would your Holy Spirit just start to fill them right now? Would you just, would you just show them that they matter right now, Holy Spirit? I pray for any person in this room that has just felt empty and lost that, Lord, right now there would be this, this sense of running back to you, of trusting in you, 
of giving up on the things that maybe the world has told them they need to do, but like right now, it's just complete surrender to you, Father. Holy Spirit, would you come? We don't seek gifts, we seek you. We seek you. We need you. And we thank you for your love. We're gonna worship for a little bit. This altar is open. Our prayer team will be available. Let's spend a few more minutes just responding, receiving from the Holy Spirit and giving him worship. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.